This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insight Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from across the world. And today it is Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? Really good, mate. How are you? Very good, thank you. Let's start with the latest from the markets. Fairly uninspiring and steady, I would say. Yeah, it's been a bit of a funny period, to be honest. We've very much gone into that kind of summer period now where people are on holidays, um, there's less event risk, uh, and therefore you can generally see the markets look a little bit uninspiring at times. And, and I feel like that's very much what we're seeing. You've got the jobs report on Friday, which I think people very much have one eye on. You've even got Jackson Hole at the end of the month, and the fact that people are talking about that with so much vigour already, I think is kind of indicative on where we really stand as far as uh, this month is concerned. So you're kind of now just seeing the headlines each day seem to be centering around the same things. It's either, is, it, is the Fed going to taper? Are we past peak growth? Or we, should we be more concerned about the rising number of Delta cases? Uh, it, the data that we're seeing, uh, is it as strong as it should be? Is it strong as we anticipated it should be? Should we be concerned about the the outlooks that the these companies are putting out? They're putting out these incredible numbers, but all too often, there's a downside risk to the outlook, whether that be the supply chain or just general growth fears or with regards to Facebook and advertising. It just seems to be these same kind of things floating around. And again, I think that's indicative of the major events that we would typically be talking about. They're just fewer and further between. So let's just talk about that PMI data that you alluded to, broadly in line with expectations, but disappointing for some markets, particularly oil. So we've had we've had two sets of PMI data this week. We've had the manufacturing PMIs on Monday, and the services PMIs today. Uh, it's worth noting that from a European perspective, they're still very strong numbers. Um, but uh, today, with the, the the final services PMIs, uh, a number of them just fell slightly short of expectations. But I don't think that's a major concern. The manufacturing data was probably a bigger concern, just because we saw the Chinese PMIs over the weekend. Um, they fell short of expect fell short of expectations and the US PMI as well uh, slipped a little bit. So I think the the idea of the world's two largest economies seeing lower than expected growth on the manufacturing side seemed to take some of the uh, the heat out the market. And this is a market that was running quite hot. The oil prices uh, are very much at the at or around the highest levels that we've seen for around seven years. So I think this is a market that was potentially a little overextended to the upside and maybe we just saw these data points act as a bit of a catalyst for some profit taking. We've seen two bad days on the back of these numbers. We've got WTI crude slipping from around 74 back to below $70. We've stabilized around the $70 uh, mark now. This is kind of where we almost would be, so wouldn't be surprised to see oil kind of stabilize around these kind of levels. Now, the growth outlook is far more positive than we've seen for a long time, but there are downside risks as well. And you're seeing that opposing views appearing more and more around right now with regards to the kind of dampening growth prospects and the risks that uh, the Delta variant does pose uh, for a number of countries, the rising number of cases, for example, that we're seeing in China. And that seems to be weighing uh, a little bit. I still think the, these oil prices are going to be well supported i don't think we're going to see a dip back to 60 dollars, for example but um maybe we've just lost uh, a little bit of momentum and i think like i say i think the data this week particularly that on monday did almost provide just the opportunity for a little bit of profit taking and that's what we've seen you mentioned the delta variant craig very interesting to see how while in the uk cases are 
coming down quite significantly despite the fact that we've opened everything up but we're seeing in places across the globe china i think israel has just introduced new lockdowns and of course they've had a very big vaccination program and so on it is an odd contradiction where there's some success in the uk but not elsewhere there's all sorts of theories as to why the uk rate is coming down high vaccination rates the euros the weather and so on but doesn't seem to quite follow with the rest of the world. I'm, I'm not sure I understand it. And it is important to understand it. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we, all, we all try to understand it, but that doesn't mean it's an easy job if, if the, the experts are, are still trying to get to grips with this, which they obviously are, then the rest of us uh, regular people uh, are obviously going to struggle. I think, I think it's, obvious, it's always worth noting that it, it, it is, do you know, what, it, it is encouraging and it, it's good to see that we can see a life where we've got low, no restrictions, <clears throat> but then also not see the, the numbers getting out of control. And even when people are getting testing positive, the fact that the number of patients being admitted was staying at a, a relatively modest level, the fact that the fatality rate was staying very low, uh, that is that is probably the most encouraging thing because the kind of disparity that we've got now is that cases are falling again, uh, but at the same time, so is the number of tests conducted and the fact that we're in the summer period, so maybe people getting tested less uh, around sc uh, the kind of school timetable and things like that. And maybe it could even be a sign of almost complacency, you, you could argue. Uh, the fact that maybe because case numbers are coming down and we're seeing that reported, people are feel like there's almost less need, there's less urgency to get a test when going into the office or when going to an event because they don't feel like the risk is quite as high. So the fact that the test numbers are falling is probably my only concern because that may just make it harder to see when we are going to see these kind of uh, any surges appear but the data that we do have is still extremely encouraging and it doesn't suggest that we're going to see any restrictions reimposed at least anytime soon uh, and then it becomes like I say it seems to differ from country to country but I wonder whether there's going to be more countries that are going to look at the UK and say well actually we now that we've hit vaccine rates of X amount now we can actually consider dropping um, the number of restrictions because the UK has shown that it can be done without uh, too much of a cost. And it's worth saying that in terms of, I mean, you mentioned the fact that maybe not so many people are being tested, which is one theory. But having said that, hospitalizations aren't going up particularly strongly or exponentially and, and deaths as well. I mean, there's obviously a, a, usually a two week uh, or two to four week time lag. But uh, yes, it will be interesting to see what happens in the rest of the world and whether they, uh, they take on uh, the UK's example, although very few have had such a high uh, two jab vaccination rate as the UK is now what 73% and rising um, we've got non-farm payroll on Friday and that's a big one isn't it this uh, this week this month because um, it could be a big indicator for what lies ahead uh, we're talking about three quarters of a million as the expectations below or above it and that will cause a market ripple but also today we've got the ADP numbers for anybody who doesn't know what they are can you explain so uh, ADP is just basically private payrolls. There is a number that's used to be uh, an indicative or meant to be an indicative sign of what we can expect from the actual non-farm payrolls as well. So for years, people have looked at the ADP to see what we can expect on Friday. The difficulty that we have is it's not actually always that accurate in terms of a precursor. So it doesn't actually often give that greater signal but it it kind of always retains its importance especially in a week when you're coming into a report that seems to have that added level of importance and i think this jobs report really does have 
uh, very much have that. And the reason for that is, well, it's twofold, really. One reason is because the Fed is looking at tapering soon. There's a wide range of views on the committee as to when they should start tapering. And you feel like one or two jobs reports could tip the balance in favour one way or the other. If they're either both strong or if they're both weak, then it could have an impact on when they decide to taper, whether that be later this year or really next year. It doesn't make a huge amount of difference, but from a market's perspective, it does just um, either keep investors on board or start to cause a few concerns, not just because of that first taper, but also what it means for the, the path of travel uh, that they then will uh, decide to take. The other reason why this uh, job support takes added importance is because of what I said earlier. When risk events are so few and far between, then all of a sudden these big numbers start to just have added importance because the week starts to look uh, a little bit quiet in the run-up to it and everything around it just seems to point towards this as being the next big catalyst for these moves in the markets, especially when they do just seem to be kind of treading water as far as the US is concerned. Europe's making a few strides forward, but the US seems to just be treading water around those highs. So um, people do tend to look a lot more towards these data points for a sign of what's to come. And as I said at first, I think the fact the next couple of reports could be key in determining when the tapering will start uh, and how fast it will be is uh, obviously having the impact as well. The Bank of England begins its meeting today, Craig, ahead of uh, tomorrow's announcement regarding QE and uh, interest rates. Obviously, there's not going to be any rise in interest rates, but we might have some clues as to when they will start to turn the taps off. Current envelope of bond purchases is due to run out at the end of this year. You don't expect that the Bank of England is going to announce any any changes to those plans, even though we are we are seeing improvements in the economy and we're seeing the reopening process running smoothly. But there's still, there's still so many downside risks between now and the end of the year. The Delta variant or another variant could potentially get out of control and we could see the numbers escalate. Some more restrictions may be necessary, even if it doesn't currently look like that's going to be the case. It's always easier to um, to look on the bright side of life when it is summer and we are spending more time outdoors. It's when you start to move into those autumn winter periods that the risks do increase. So I think that's going to be very much on the minds of policymakers um, when looking at the data. The other factor as well is that we've mentioned earlier this week, the furlough scheme drawing to a close, what impact that's going to have on the unemployment rate and what impact that's going to have on consumer behaviour as well. So with that in mind, the Bank of England is surely going to be in no rush to make any dramatic changes. There may be hints that the conversations are starting. There may be hints as to roughly when they may be considering. It's obviously going to be a really interesting event, but I don't think we should expect any wholesale changes uh, just at this time. Craig, thanks very much for joining us this morning and have a great day. Thank you. The Oanda Podcast.